Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. The last time we were together, we were talking about how that Jesus went into the temple, he kicked out all the money changers. How many were here to hear that message? Raise your hand. All right. Now, of course, you know that it made all the money changers and all the Pharisees and everybody that was basically living around the temple real excited, huh? No, it made him really mad. So again, they were really upset at Jesus. But it didn't take a whole lot to get upset at Jesus because they were upset with him because one reason, he stood for righteousness. He stood against hypocrisy. He stood for truth and giving all the glory to God and not to man who is anti-pride. Jesus was anti-pride. Everything that the Pharisees and a lot of these chief rulers of the Jews were all about. And so he was already persona and grata around them. So now he does all this stuff, chases out the money changers, but while he's there in the temple, he begins to teach them. And while he does, the Pharisees that were already kind of watching all this commotion going on, they're over in the corner of this building, and they're saying, you know what, we've got to do something. We've got to get rid of this guy over here. So maybe if we can't bring him down religiously, maybe what we could do is bring him down politically. So let's see if we can get the Roman government and all of that against him as well. So they're talking and talking and talking, and they meet with some of their buddies known as the Herodians. Now the Herodians, that's a neat name because it's kind of like a family of Herod. And you know Herod comes from a... A, 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 a group of, of non-Jews way back, and those people really hated the Jews. Now later on, some Jews became to think like Herod. Now watch this. Herod the Great came from the same group of people. So let me paint the picture. You got the Pharisees, who was against Jesus. They were the highfalutin Jews at the time, and they were enemies of the Herodians, which would be of the family or the belief system of Herod and his family, the value, the secular worldview of Herod. They hated each other, but both groups wanted to get rid of Jesus. So it's always funny how that they become partners in crime. But the Pharisees are trying to be really smart. So what they say is, I don't want to come against him. He's already kicked out these people over here. So here's what they're going to do. So the Pharisees talk to Herodians to go with the, uh, the, the, the Pharisees' disciples, and he says, now you guys go over here. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to trip them up on who those people are to pay taxes to. And so, he's, so they send out the Herodians and the disciples out after Jesus. Now let me uh, pause right now. I'm putting our DVD on pause, and let me come over here and explain what's the big deal about this tax issue. Well, in the research that I've done in this passage, it was sometimes referred to as a poll tax, a census tax, or a head tax. Now that may not mean a lot to you, but back in the Bible days, what would happen is this. They would want to take a census. Some of you are maybe signing up to be census takers. Well, the reason they wanted to take a census of all the people, because once they got all the people there, then they could tax the people that were in their land, meaning the Romans and the, and the, and the, and the, and the um, well, the Romans. So what they wanted was to find out how they could get money from them. Now, the Jews hated that for a lot of reasons. 
One, they didn't want to be beholden to any earthly group because they wanted to bless God with everything. They wanted to be known as people of God, not people of Rome or people of Herod or people of the leader, the political leaders. So they hated this thing. They hated because they're part of this community here, but they really weren't religiously so much part of that community. So they hated the whole thing about taxes. And so they wanted to now trip up Jesus. So they sent him over here, and now Jesus is given this bit of information, watching what's happening, probably... I, this is Ponzism now, in my opinion. He probably was watching them kind of get in their little holy huddle over there. <laughs> but just still remember, Jesus knew what was in their heart all along. Y'all agree with that? Say amen. Does he know what's in your heart? I only heard one person say amen. He does. He knows what's in our heart. Well, let's look at the story now. So what did Jesus do? Maybe there's a lesson on discernment we can pick out. First of all, he listened to them. And they sent to him their disciples saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God and truth, nor do you care about anyone, for you do not regard the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay the poll tax to Caesar or not? So he listened to them. Now I'm going to tell you about discernment here. Now, while he listened to them, he didn't have to listen to them because he already knew it was in their heart. You and I, when we are given information, it is important for us to listen to that information. Now let me caution you about something. Listen very carefully, especially you young people for a moment. I'd like to help you with this. There is certain information that, that will be given to us. And as we're given that information, it's not like I have to know everything about the world before I'm going to choose to be a Christian or follow Christ. It's not where I have to go out after misinformation so I can know what truth is. You do not have to be a horse to judge a horse show. You don't have to be a, a dog to judge a dog show. So it doesn't mean how much of the information that's out there. However, when the Lord permits through your life to bring information to you, you do need to listen. Now later on this morning, I want to make the distinction between hearing something and listening, but I'll do that later. But no, there is a difference between hearing and listening. So he listened to them. And I'd like for you to do the same thing. When they're speaking to you, that's the time for you to listen very carefully. And by the way, for you, it may not be just what they say verbally. It could be what they write. It could be written information. It could be something you get off the internet. It could be something that comes to you in a letter. But it's information, so you're going to listen to that. Let's look at number two. It says that he examined, but Jesus perceived their wickedness. Now, what I'd like for you to do, and this might help you, I, I hope this will. The Bible says that our heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. So that means every man, woman, boy, and girl has a deceitful heart that's wicked. Everyone. When a person trusts Christ as Savior, do not they still have a deceitful, wicked heart? Yes, they do. They have new things. They have new power in their life. They've been born again. But they still have, we still have a propensity to do evil. You know that. I know that. God certainly knows that. So that means that when I'm hearing information... While I will not diss the other person who's disseminating that information, 
I have to still realize that it's possible that it's coming from a heart that may not be correct or right with God, or the information may not be correct or right with God, and it could come from someone who ignorantly is believing something to be true, and they're only passing that on to us. So, I'm going to be examining. So I'm listening, but at the same time, my antennas are up. Not my tenants to condemn them, but to listen to examine. He, in this case, perceived their wickedness. And then the third thing he did is he responded to them. And he said to them, Why do you test me, you hypocrites? So with the information he had, he gave it back to them. Show me your tax money. So they brought him a denarius. Now that denarius was an important coin there because it was a coin that could only be used to pay the poll tax. On that particular denarius, it would have an inscription of uh, Caesar Herod and on the other side would be a statement. And so these Jews are really upset about that because they would say, listen, we don't want to have any image of anyone because that's like an idol. I made a graven image. Listen carefully. The Bible says, make no graven image. Here is a coin. That coin has a picture of Caesar on this thing. That makes this coin a graven image. And so we don't want to pay taxes. We don't have anything to do with the graven images of coins. How many of you have ever been to Israel? Raise your hand. Anybody been to Israel? Some, we've been there three times. We've hosted groups there. Someday in my career here at this church, I would love to, to do an Israel trip and invite you to go. But one of the things you'll find when you go to Israel, that there are some real Orthodox Jews. The closer you actually get to Jerusalem, you'll find these Orthodox Jews. Have you ever tried to take a picture of an Orthodox Jew? They're almost like the Amish, are they not? They try to hide. Why? Because they know you're taking a picture of them and that picture will become a graven image and they don't want to be partnering with you to create a graven image by you taking a picture of them because they don't want to have anything to do with a graven image. That's why it becomes so hard. So Jesus responded and then he said, Render the, therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. I don't want to make too big of a deal over this other than he chose the word render and not give. Give is something you offer. He says you don't have to offer anything to Caesar. You're to render to Caesar, which means paying taxes is an obligation. It's not a choice for Christians. And the things that are Caesar's. But the things that belong to God, they belong to God. So the three words are when you want to discern, listen to something carefully, examine it, and then make the right choice afterwards. Number three, what could I do to demonstrate discernment? Well, by the power of God, here they are. These won't take long, but these are the principles that you may want to work with to help you to demonstrate discernment. First of all, go beneath the surface of an issue. Realize that when information is given to you, sometimes you have surface information that usually comes from root issues. So you want to make sure that you're going to the bottom of this thing. So try to ask more questions. Number, th number two, or the second bullet point, learn to detect the true intentions and feelings of others. The true intentions and feelings of others. So it might mean to listen to their tone, watch their body language, ask them some questions. It always is wise for you to ask them where did they get the information and how do they know that it's really right. Let me pause for a moment and speak something here. You may not agree with me. But um, in my desire to know what is right and what is wrong, I like to, to sometimes go to websites or ministries that are, might be referred to as discernment ministries. 
These are ministries that sometimes do a little bit more research than I would do on ministries, uh, leaders, Christian leaders, truths, teachings, all that kind of stuff. And they kind of probe a little bit deeper so I can get some information. But at the same time, I, I am becoming more and more aware that the people that are involved in discernment ministries, while they want to keep the church pure and accurate, they often don't do their homework as well as they should. They take someone's message, they take parts out of it with sound bites, and then they make a judgment on that person's ministry or belief system, which is very dangerous. Sometimes they will then make assumptions that are not always accurate because they haven't surveyed the very people, and it goes on and on. So bottom line is this. We even have to be discerning about discernment ministries. All right, let's go back. <clears throat> so discern the true intentions and feelings. Number three, ask questions until all important information is understood. We know it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. In other words, God wants us to know certain stuff, conceal certain stuff. But it's the glory of kings, leaders, people of influence is to search out a matter. And so if you really want to be a good influencer of your, head of, of your family, head of households, of your kids, then you do need to ask some questions. Search out the matter. Get some information. Get to the bottom of it. Now you can spend the rest of your life chasing something and your whole life could get bogged down and paralyzed, so you have to be careful. But there is a level of asking questions. Next, base questions and responses on God's Word. In other words, you want to find out what is this based on Scripture, which is really where I wanted to go from the beginning, is that for me to have good discernment, my good discernment, listen, 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 listen. My good discernment is going to come to the degree of my knowledge of God's Word. We know that wisdom, understanding, truth, perception is going to come from God's Word. Proverbs tells me all about that, especially the first eight chapters of Proverbs tells me that. But in that, it tells me that I need to know God's Word accurately and truly. So for me to know just it's important God's Word, I have to know it in the proper context. We call it hermeneutics. Can Stay with me a little bit further. So I need to be a, a master of this book or a student master of this book. I need to know this book so I can make the wisest decisions I possibly can for me, for the people with whom I live, and I influence, I want to make sure that, that, that I'm biblical to help them become biblical. And so that's why it's important for us to respond according to God's Word. Now look at the verse we have here for you. It says, For the Word of God, I put it in bold, is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. That means it's alive, it's useful today in our life right here in Hawaii, at your school, on your job, in your church, wherever. It says, and sharper than a two-edged sword, that means it can cut, it can divide, there's no, doesn't have to always be gray areas. Even to the division of soul and spirit, which I believe deals a lot with our, our own innermost being, joints and marrow, and then it says, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, which would be your conscious and subconscious. It could even be a discerner of your motives. So it's the Word of God that becomes the discerner in my life. And so for me to have good discernment, I have to have good Bible knowledge. That's what it's saying. How many of you are with me so far? Are you with me so far? Okay, yeah. One more truth. Discernment is so huge 
that I can discern that I need to know God's Word. And so I will study God's Word. I will go to all the best schools and learn all the language. I'll get all the right books and all that I can from God's Word. Because even God's Word will tell me how to live my daily life. Okay, I got all of that truth. Now watch carefully. But also discernment tells me, this is the most important, how to handle God's Word when I know God's Word. There are a lot of people that got great discernment. But they're the most critical, cranky people. They go around and you think and you think and you think and you're wrong and you're wrong and you're wrong and I'm right and it's right. They're not discerning with God's truth. They're using it as a weapon. Not as a tool to build up. Not a salve to heal. So they don't really have good discernment. They might have some Bible knowledge, but they sure don't have the knowledge of how to use discernment properly. So maybe they left that part of the Bible out of their life. I don't know. Let's go on. It says, avoid making decisions just by feelings. I said I'd go back to that. Now I know that there's certain things that are gut feelings, certain things you just kind of know. Some of you have some in, uh, intuitiveness, we might say. But I use the phrase, just by feelings. Your, the word of God and sound thinking should trump feelings. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have to give away with feelings either, because if that's the case, then... God would not have made us feeling emotional people. So it is partly by feeling, but it is certainly not the top end of this thing. It's just not by feelings only. And then finally, listen to both sides of an issue. Sometimes it's good for you to listen carefully to both sides. Listen carefully to both sides. He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is a folly and a shame to him. All right, now if you will, maybe pick catch this now. There's a difference between hearing something and listening to something. You hear generally with your ears. But if you listen, you're going to listen with your mind and your heart. When you hear, you hear verbiage noise sometimes. But when you listen, you're going to be understanding for accuracy, truth, and how does it stack up. You want to make sure that you fully understand that. So there is a difference between hearing the Word of God and listening to God in the Word of God. All right. Are there dangers to be discerning? Yes. You can be discerning, but it can deteriorate into having and then displaying a critical spirit. I've already spoken to that, so I think you know that. So maybe one of the most discerning things you can do is to discern how to wisely use the discernment that you have. Number five, what's at least one benefit of being discerning? There's tons of them, but in this passage, it says, when they heard these words from Jesus, they marveled and left him and went their way. Now we know they went their way and eventually marshaled an army against him anyway, but the point is they marveled at his wisdom, at his discernment, we might say. Now, here's what I'd like to display to you. Those of you who are willing to lean into the word this morning that you heard that you lack discernment. I don't beat yourself up, but humbly say, I need more discernment. And now you're willing to pay the price to get that discernment by getting into God's word, studying it privately, getting the material, being here for Sunday school, being here for Sunday morning, get involved in the connection groups, add yourself some seminary classes if you can, but you're wanting to learn the truth that's there. 
Now, once you learn it and you disseminate the discerning truth you have in a very kind and proper way, people are going to look back at you and you, you will become an influencer. You'll, you'll have people beating a path to your door because you're discerning. People will be wanting to put you in positions of influence, of leadership. And there you have to be discerning. You're going to have to be discerning when they do that. How are you going to use your time? Can you handle all of this? Frankly, you ought to say, how can I maximize this ability to discern to help further the kingdom? Be discerning. The other part of your discerning on this thing is that you're very reflective because it's very easy to say, my, my, is there no end to that woman's knowledge? My, my, is there no end to that man's wisdom and discernment? My, my, is there no end to that teenager who's at school that knows how to understand deep things and how to make right decisions? And when that happens, I hope your discerning spirit is also working, continues to work, and you can say, whatever I have of discernment, I got because Jesus is the discerning one. He's the wise one. Take Proverbs 8 and change the word wise out for the name Jesus and it'll mean the same. He's the wise one to you and he lives within you and you give all the praise and all the glory to him and him alone. Action step, accept Christ as Savior. Work through the definition and then finally look at your memory verses there. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion or discernment will preserve you. The ability to make right choices will preserve you, preserve you from destruction. Understanding will keep you to deliver you from the evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, or we could say to lure you away to things that are not biblical. Well, I know this message was a little bit long, but if I could... If I was to drop dead of an old-fashioned heart attack this afternoon, I would like you to know that the last thing I said to you was, be a discerning group of people. This island needs discerning Christians who live it by the right choices they make. First choice, trust Christ as Savior. Second choice, learn His Word, live His Word. Let's be a church like that, folks, with a spirit of joy and love. And for those of you who are our guests today, I pray that you'll accept the payment Christ made for you on the cross. That's the wisest thing you can do is to admit, I'm a sinner, I have a deceitful heart, but I need a Savior. I'm discerning enough to know that I'll never be perfect enough to go to heaven, so I can't make it. Be discerning enough to say that Jesus is the one who's perfect, and He died and He rose again, and that He would give me eternal life by His payment for me on the cross. So my discernment brings me to the next area. I know that truth, but now I'm willing to trust in that truth and trust Christ as my Savior. So I'm placing my faith in Christ. So my discernment gets me the right truth. Discernment gets me a place in heaven through the right choice. And I pray you'll trust Christ as your Savior. Let's pray, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for this wonderful group of people. I thank you that, Father, that they're deciding to be a discerning group, that they're going to listen to their friends and invite them to do things, say things, not say things, how they spend their money, the people they associate with, how they can help their family. I pray that they're discerning enough that they are willing to stretch themselves to learn more truths 
I pray that, Father, that you'll help them to grow in grace and the knowledge of you. I pray for any in here today that haven't trusted you as Savior, that today they would, and those that might be listening, that they place their faith alone in you. Father, I just love you so much. If there's anyone here today, as I'm kind of pausing in my conversation with the Lord about you, he would want me to give you this opportunity to trust him. I believe it. And so if you right now, in your own words to God, would simply just transfer your faith from your good works to Christ alone, place it in the Lord Jesus Christ, would you? It's not by works, it's by faith. So just transfer that faith. Say, Lord, I'm trusted in you. Now, if you're trusting Christ, I'd like to pray for you if you've never trusted him before. And if you are, would you slip up your hand? Is there anyone at all by that uplifted hand would trust Christ as Savior? Indicated that you're trusting Christ? I'd like to pray for you. Would you slip it up right now? Father, as we now bring this to a close, only you can bring conviction and the need for salvation to people. And Father, they can trust you. It's a private thing between you and them. So whether or not they make it public now, I pray that, Father, that they truly are trusting you. And now, Lord, guide us in the way of all truth. Thank you for your spirit, who is our teacher and guide. Thank you that you lift, left us the inerrant word of God, and that together we can partner to know this, to have the discernment you would have us to have for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Make it clear.